Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. I'll be speaking with some of Australia's most brilliant innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turned their light bulb idea into concrete reality. We had this strong sense that we couldn't fail. There was no way this couldn't work. You know, we really respect our shareholders and, and to me, you survive if you add value. So, you know, I could look at it and say I can buy it for that and I can sell it for that. And so if you've got that ability to buy and sell and trade, some people have got it, some people will never get it. Some are household names and some you may never have heard of yet. On today's episode, I'm speaking to Christy Chong, the dynamic creative behind Modi Body, the revolutionary leak-proof underwear that Christy created herself from the ground up, right from her kitchen table. You might have noticed the giant Modi Body billboards around the place, or you could have seen the average-sized real women used as models in their ads. Some of you may never have heard of Modi Body, but you will. Christie's company recently hit a milestone, selling 2 million pairs of undies around the world. And that's in just seven years of being in existence. And the most innovative part, Christie's patented underwear promises, no guarantees to be odour-free, leak-proof and period-proof. And she's not finished there, taking her protective underwear to kids and men as well as women. Welcome to Build It Thou Come, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Helen, for having me. Now, you are the founder and creative force behind Modi Body. Firstly, what is Modi Body? So, Modi Body is a range of leak proof apparel that can provide a total replacement to disposable hygiene products, whether that's for period protection, incontinence, perspiration management, or for mums who've had new babies and are breastfeeding. It's quite unbelievable, really. So obviously, we're going to unpick this whole story in in our chat. So the company you founded is based on a completely, really innovative technology that you came up with, you persevered with, and you had it developed, and you've patented it. That is correct. (laughs) Wow. So to be clear, you've developed protective personal hygiene apparel. In other words, as you mentioned, leak-proof undies. So they what, they completely absorb urine, sweat, as well as periods? Correct. They do. That's exactly right. So not only do they absorb, but they keep you feeling dry throughout the day. And then they, uh, they look, feel, fit like regular underwear. And then you just wash as per regular clothes and hang to dry. Unbelievable, really. So your products really help everyday problems that so many women and men have. And they also help the environment by reducing landfill. Absolutely. When a woman or or a man or in particular a woman who's menstruating switches to Modi Body, she'll reduce 15,000 disposable products ending up in landfill or being flushed down our waterways. So somewhat significant. And yet if a man or a woman who has incontinence where it's an everyday product, it's, it's even more disposable products being reduced from landfill as well. So yeah, quite an impact to our environment. So people who wear your undies don't have to use tampons or sanitary pads at all, all day? 
All day. That's right. So whether it's during the day, even overnight. So a lot of our customers love our product because they are not just environmentally a better solution, but they protect them better at nighttime. So they're more convenient. So if their period arrives early, you know, they're protected. They also stay in place. So they, they don't move around like disposables do. And there's a lot more, I suppose, discreetness in a way to the product. So for young girls going to school, they just throw on a pair of underwear. So it's easy to use and then they don't have to worry about changing them and, you know, bringing their their Mm. change of disposable hygiene to the bathroom. Mm. This is completely revolutionary, really, Christy, isn't it? Well, Helen, I don't know. I just simply, you know, I, I had a problem. I had my own problem with light and continence. I had heavy periods when I was a teenager and I just wanted to develop a better solution. Maybe it's revolutionary, but I just, I, I don't know. I just think it's something that the world deserved and that, you know, women like myself and then, you know, young girls deserved as well. So that's where it came from. We'll go back to tell that story in a moment, but you've just to sort of complete this picture for those who perhaps still don't know who Modi Body is, you've been growing enormously fast. How fast in the last couple of years? Yes, it, it has grown really fast sometimes. Uh, you know, the, the sleep's been tricky. So um, we've grown anywhere from 250 to 400% year on year. So, yeah, a massive growth. It's very different when you work in a company that grows this fast. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't anticipate how tricky that would be. But, you know, you sort of get used to it after a while and you get comfortable with the uncomfortable because that's what a scale-up and a start or start-up and then a scale-up company is like working for. So give me a snapshot of Modi Body's success right now. List off the things that you see as your success milestones. Well, the the fact that we have, well, I think the biggest one for me, when I when I first launched the, the brand, I went to a market store and I set up and, you know, I had banners and information and, you know, older ladies sort of just looked at it and quickly walked past. Young girls with their boyfriends were laughing and embarrassed. And a few people came up, but not many. Then fast forward from that was sort of 2014 to last year in 2019, where we had a pop up, fully upcycled, recycled pop up store in Westfield Shopping Centre. And we had women in their 50s bring their mothers along, openly talking about incontinence. So women in their 70s just openly discussing these issues. We had the boyfriends, you know, taking down the underwear off our clothesline that we'd set up in, in the um, shopping centre. So it was a totally different um, place. And that, that for me is success because not only have we sold a product where we've taken disposables as a solution away, so billions of disposables have been reduced from any upping landfill and waterways, but we've changed conversations around everyday issues that women and men, as you mentioned, face and um, that would make people feel more comfortable and they're having more positive conversations. So that's success to me. The name, how did you settle on that, Modi Body? The name, so the name stands for Modified Apparel That's Better For Your Body. So that's where it came from. That's the little history. I don't really mention that, so it was a great question. <laughs> that's a good shortening because it's obviously the rhyming as well. So, Christy, take me back to where the Modi Body idea originally came from, how it came about and when. 
Yeah, so I was uh, a mother of two um, and I was living in Seattle at the time and I'd actually decided to start training for a marathon. So I had a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and obviously I'd started to experience some light bladder leaks with my second child and it caught me off guard, you know, when I was at the supermarket, you know, with a, with a trolley full of groceries and suddenly, oh my gosh, you know, this urge to go to the bathroom and you've got two kids there. So really tricky. And so it was that and then started training for a marathon where I was having a lot of, you know, issues with sweat. And on one of those runs, I thought, my gosh, you know, why is it that the world wants us to continually use disposable hygiene? There has to be something better. Seattle is a very high-tech, you know, city, very organic and very uh, environmental city, which is great. So I think that influence, the influence of technology and the environment is what led me to come up with this solution. From that day, I had an idea let's create these undies that could absorb and, you know, wick away moisture and be reused and, you know, be really comfortable and look nice, look like regular undies. And from that idea, I mentioned it to my husband and he's like, actually, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> we put aside a little bit of seed funding and off I said, you know, I spoke to, you know, hundreds oh, just a minute. When was this? This was back in 2011. So 2011, that's when sort of the idea came about. And the next 18 months, I went about developing the fibre technology behind our brand, so on the underwear. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of, that was a long process and that was a huge learning process for me. My husband actually, you know, does work partly in science. So his sort of mindset, you should you should take a scientific approach was the best thing because I did and I yeah, the so, um, fiber technology. So you're not a scientist, are you? You were working not. in marketing and PR at the time, were you? Or you'd had experience both at McDonald's and at the big pharma company, Sanofi Aventus, but yes. you weren't a scientist. No, I wasn't. I had, you're right, I had that experience of being exposed to the medical and then through my husband as well. But um, yeah, no, my background is PR marketing. I worked in agency land or I'd worked in big corporate. So no, I had to learn all about textiles and all about science. So huge learning curve. <laughs> How many fabric manufacturers, scientists, I don't know, fabric engineers <laughs> did you have to go through before you came up with this product? Were you pushing it all the time to say to them, we need to come up with something more absorbent? Well, yeah, basically. So I, I spoke to lots, like I reckon over a hundred and, and that, that is that is not a myth. It's Literally, if someone could not help me, um, so I'd speak to you know a knit fabric company. I'd say, "Can anyone help me? Do you know anybody? Do you know mm. anyone works in this space who would mm. might know more?" And they recommend to someone else. Yeah, I spoke to a lot of chemical textile engineers who gave me some advice about where to look, what fibers might work together. So that was great. And then I went about sourcing all these different fibers and doing the test myself. And that actually included at some stage, you know, actually sewing them into my own pairs of underwear at the time. That's how I had to get through it. So, so yeah, so sorry. Give me, give me a picture yeah. of you doing the <laughs> testing yourself. So yeah, what you well, would you I would mean, get I, different samples of fabrics and yeah. then try and put them into your own undies and see if they worked yes. with you. Yes, correct. Yeah, and, I did. So um, you know, hand to, sewing. Oh, yeah, wash them um, and doing all of that. Wash stretch them, them, them and they dry. Yeah, prod them that, and poke you know. them. Smelled everything. I had to do it. I mean, you know, I wanted to know that this product that I'm putting in the market was 
firstly, I believed in it. I had to believe in it. And, I, and that's why it took so long because there were, there were options along the way that I could have gone, yes, you know, that'll do it. But no, 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 I wanted something better. And I'm glad I did that because I truly believe competitions enter the market. We still have the best product. It keeps you much drier and absorbs as it claims to absorb, unlike some of the competitors. So I'm really proud that I've put myself through that. <laughs> yeah. So what, this is still um, yeah. while you're in Seattle. Were you working that, at that stage? Right. No, so I had my baby in 2010. So, yeah, I was staying home. I, I had planned to go back to work and then we only stayed for two years and I was like, will I get a visa? Will I not? And then I thought this idea came up and I'm like, this is my opportunity. I've got a, you know, I've got this 18 months now. My son, had, my youngest one was one. Older, I was on the street. I was like, that's it. I have to, I've got to do something. Yeah, with that support of my husband, I kept them at home and I did this on the side. So all this research into the actual fabric and before you even get to how you might manufacture a range, was this done yeah. in America while you're in Seattle or? It was. So all that yeah. research was done in America. But I spoke to Australians. In fact, one of the ladies who was involved in making Gore-Tex, she's an Australian now, she's Bushy's background. You know, I spoke to people like her. So I didn't just speak to Americans. Yeah. I, I went pretty bored with my with that research in, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it actually, yeah. it actually started out as a product to counter mild incontinence, say, yes, after childbirth, not necessarily to yeah. help with menstrual periods. No, that's right. And it was only after I, so I thought it was mild incontinence and then I put the products, I, I went and found a seamstress. I got my fiber technology, found this seamstress in Seattle and I had all these samples made up. Not the best design, but it would do. And I sent them all off to about 30 friends and family. And that's when I realized this was not just for incontinence. This was a bigger market than that. We get women now, just for everyday freshness, they wear the light mods. Instead of wearing a liner, they wear the underwear. So, and this was all yeah, started, what, at your kitchen table? Yes, it was started at the kitchen table. And up until the end of 2018, I was still working out of the home and I had my staff coming to me, working on the kitchen bench and, you know, working in our little office, which is now my daughter's room. So, yeah. Just extraordinary. Can you say, or is it a big secret? Because I know you've, uh, you know, you've obviously patented the modifier technology. What yes. is the actual product? W what's it made up of? Just briefly. Yeah, no, I look, happy to say that. Look, it's made of, interestingly, a merino fibre, partly a bamboo fibre and a polyester fibre. Yeah. So the combination of those that was patented. It's just extraordinary. I mean, it, it must have been such an arduous and no doubt frustrating process back then. Very even. much. Why did you keep going? Honestly, I kept going because I truly believed that we needed this solution. I needed the solution. I wanted it. I wanted it. And I knew when I spoke to family and friends and I gave them those samples, they wanted it too. So that's what kept me and that's what kept, has kept me going, you know, day after day, week after week, um, year after year when, you know, the mother who's got the daughter with Down syndrome, who she says, I don't have to ask the teachers now to change out her pad. Those sorts of stories. The nurse who's, oh my gosh, thank you, a product that I can wear all day, stand on my feet and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the things that have kept me going through everything. And, and that's honest. And, and we're very, very much a customer driven business. And I think that's because I am a customer, really. <laughs> to perfect your technology in the fabric, just tell me about how frustrating that process was. Paint us a picture. Oh, to perfect it. Yeah. Look, you know, can you imagine just me sitting at a table with 
20 different layers of fabric, you know, three to four layers, the petting really. And then, you know, with a little timing clock sitting next to it, you know, coming back, checking the time, which one's dried first, which one hasn't, feeling it with my hand and then, you know, stuffing up one of them. So starting all over again. And yeah. that's the sort of process I was going through. So, you know, or a child was sort of running at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, trying to balance that motherhood and um, trying to perfect this technology at the same time. But, you know, if you speak to my husband, obviously he's the one closest to me and he'd say, you were such, so, so driven that it's almost like everything else around you apart from the children just got put on hold. And he mm. said, your passion and he said, I, you were the happiest, you're the happiest you've ever been. But at the same time, that passion, that drive, it almost became, you know, just uh, overwhelming. Over. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm conscious of that. That's probably part of my personality too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because, you know, there's obviously been sportswear and leisure wear material for outerwear yeah. available for some yeah. time that draws perspiration away from your skin. You know, massive brands like Uniqlo, Kathmandu, and probably tons of others have used. There's also been undergarments such as good thermal underwear that draws away sweat. And I'm thinking of the, you know, the Fabulous Merino, the New Zealand brand, what is it, icebreaker, that I've used myself in the uh, the cold. There have been paper products developed to absorb moisture and, you know, some turned it into gel. So how is your technology different to that? Oh, look, it's a combination of how it all works together, whether it's hydrophilic or hydrophobic, the absorbency, the quick drying, the antimicrobial feature, and the fact that it has to be waterproof and provide that barrier. Right. So that combination is what we put into one garment, into one technology. So they may have an element of it, yeah. but they've never put them all together. And the funny thing is when you put some of those fibres skin, you might think they might just work or they don't. They can actually work against each other. And then the smell, the odour, or that has to be taken into account. Some fabrics and fibres might actually dry quickly, but they smell. And you know that about Mm. some polyesters, they can be very smelly. So, yeah. Chrissy, in the beginning, what was your funding source back then? I mean, did you borrow from banks, from parents, from friends? Did you mount up credit card debt? Yeah, well, look, we we were in a fortunate position. So, I mean, I was in my mid-30s and had been working for close to 15 years and so had my husband. So, we had a little bit of savings and we decided to put, you know, some money aside. So, for us, we decided to put $30,000 aside, right. um, which basically just drawing off our mortgage. Yeah. We had an offset account, yeah, as you do. So, it's savings sitting on your mortgage account. And, you know, we pulled that out and then we actually didn't even spend all of that. So, in the end, I ended up spending about $20,000. The reason for that, that just went into the technology design mainly. And then I I actually bought the fiber and got that made only on a very, very, very small run and brought that over to Australia. And the first run that I actually made was only 500 garments. So I did things on a really small scale, probably lower risk. I was really conscious of not just burning through money and how was I going to be the most efficient with every cent. Yeah. I'll probably take that through even until today in my business. So um, you you bootstrapped yeah. it really. You did it all slowly uh, and by yourself and by yeah. its own cash flow. Its own cash flow, absolutely. Everything's gone straight back into the business. So even so, in those early yeah. years, you know, once the company had started, you didn't borrow money then? No, so sorry, that's so that was in those early years. Yes. But by end of um yep, so by end of twenty uh start of twenty sixteen, yeah. I actually did take on um an angel investor 
And the reason I did take that person on, so they took equity in the business. The reason I bought them on is I, I had proof of concept and I felt, you know, 100% confident that this product and this brand was right for the market. And so then I went out and, and I did get some money. So yeah, I got about $100,000 and I put that into, I had to move my production offshore to do some of the technology, uh, the sewing, the techniques we required. Yeah. And move production offshore. And that, that meant an investment out upfront of stock. So uh, that's where it went. And I also hired my first sort of part-time employee with that Fa- money. Fantastic. Before we get to 2016, I mean, yes. what was the next step? Just take me through the design, getting it made up yes. into, uh, well, I don't have any, but I've seen it on your website, this fabulous looking underwear. Thank you. Well, I will send you some. <laughs> That's important. No, no, you don't uh, have yes, to. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, I understand journalist integrity. So, oh, look, yeah. <laughs> but, Not yes, to like say we, I don't need it, but just to say, <laughs> keep the journalistic integrity intact. No, I, I appreciate that. Well, after that, so I signed the, the fibre, had imported all the fibres and the fabric that I needed, and I found a manufacturer here in Australia to make those first 500. But before Fantastic. I did get into that stage, I'm not a designer, so I found an underwear designer through connection after connection, a lady who'd been in the rag trade for, for quite a while. Back then, you know, we made paper patterns together and um, five paper patterns, and that's all we made. Found what fabrics I wanted to use, which is a bamboo because it's a sustainable fabric. Imported some waistband elastic, some leg elastic, care labels, and off I went. And yeah, wow. it just... It just, it really just evolved from those five styles. Sorry, so you and this yeah. underwear designer who you found by just, you know, trawling, no doubt yeah. dialing many numbers on your telephone, you just did yeah. that first collection of five pieces, just basically the two of you. With the manufacturer. And so, thankfully, the manufacturer who I found, um, again, through research and, you know, finding, I want to find an ethical manufacturer in Australia. So, I went to the unions that stand for ethical manufacturing. So, I think it's always important to find that group and then they can help you find people. So, that's what I did. And they actually made for Aussie bums um, and jet swimwear. So, Mm -hmm. it was great. They were really supportive of me, got me off the ground. But, you know, there was things that I, I was doing myself. Like, so I could get greyish fabric in and then take it to the local, you know, dye house to dye the fabric. So I'd stick it in the back of my car with my now, you know, I had a third child at that time and put him in the back of the car. I'd take it to the dye house. They'd dye it. I'd pick it back up, take it back to the manufacturer. And I would then putting my own swing tags onto the garment packing them, sending them out. Yeah. And that's how it all started. That's the sort of, yeah, this is, process. This is incredible perseverance and resilience and drive and passion. <laughs> is that how you, you see it? Yeah. Oh, do I see it like that? I'm. Uh, look, I, I know I should, but I'm, I'm, I'm just one of those people who just, I don't know, probably like a typical woman, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the achievements we've, we've made. I'm proud of it. I'm really proud. I'm proud of where I'm at. But yeah, I, I think when you just attack things day by day, which I did, I, t- I just bit off small chunks at a time. And when I got overwhelmed, I'd put it down on paper and say, okay, what is the area I need to focus on? I think most people can do this. Yeah. You just have to take it, you know, one day, one step. At you, a time. But yeah. you were still at this stage, this is what, by 2014, 15, before your yeah. angel investor came on, you were still doing yeah. all this from home, from the kitchen table, working with small yeah. kids around you. Yes, correct. Yes. Did you have a business plan thoroughly worked out, every detail, or was it just 
one foot in front of the other? I had a marketing plan and I had a top line business plan. Uh, so I not detailed, no, not very detailed. The one thing that I did invest time in was a financial model. And uh, and very early on, you know, I, I had my own one, but then I found a, an advisor to help me develop a financial model. So you I, mean like an accountant or a management um, consultant or an investment banker? No, he, a friend? No, he actually wasn't. Um, no, he, he came through a connection of a connection. So he was just a gentleman who was actually doing his own startup. He'd been the CEO of an IT company, but he was passionate about what I was doing. Mm. So he was a believer that this product had benefit for not just my customers, but women in need, which, um, as you may know, we do supply any return product that ends up in our warehouse that is has got its hygiene sticker attached. We actually donate that to women in need. And so he's a big believer that this product, you know, is the solution for those women. And so he 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 helped me develop my model. And, you know, I'd meet with him sort of once every six weeks and we'd discuss business, you know, how's it going? He'd give me some ideas. We, yeah, just things about operationally, all that sort of stuff that you need when you haven't gone through this yourself. Someone yeah. who's been at that, you know, CEO level and seen how a big business is run. To get it out to customers, let's talk about, you know, yeah. how you got sales. I mean, you started <laughs> yeah. as an online business and you're still essentially an online business. So this is what in 2013, 14. How yeah. did you get that e-commerce start? Take me back to that first sale. Can you actually remember the feeling? I can. And, and it was a friend in Queensland who I, well, a, a friend that I'd gone to school with. And it was great. I, I was so happy. And at the same time, it was a friend and you're thinking, oh, they're just being nice. <laughs> so there's that sort of feeling. But when it went beyond the friends and you started to see, you know, 10 sales a week, it was quite exciting. I think for me, the moment we had an article published in, um, you know, one of the Sydney newspapers and I made $10,000 in sales that day. That was such a joyous moment for me. I, I, I think that was, yeah, okay, wow. this is something, yeah, I, I, okay, that people want this product. So you get some families and then their, you know, connections. And then when it starts to get into people buying it just through a media article, yeah, that was quite a wonderful moment. Why did you decide to go online and have an online business? I decided to go online uh, for two reasons. The fact that we weren't just selling another product, we created a whole new category. I knew that if this was sitting on a shelf in Maya or other retail stores, it would not get sold because they wouldn't know how to you know, explain what this product did because they'd not heard of it themselves. So that reason. And then secondly, I wanted to be as close to the customer as possible. And I feel e-commerce allows that because you're selling direct. So you can get that customer feedback. We do customer surveys every quarter. We understand from know all their data, what they really want. And so that for me was really important, just wanting to be closer to the customer and yeah. make sure I was creating a product and then tweaking it and making it better if she wants it. So we're very nimble business in that sense. And I believe it's because we're online. You came from marketing and PR, so you know how to sell yeah. stuff, but how <laughs> hard was the marketing? What was the best tool that you ended up using, the most successful or effective for you, particularly in those early years? Yeah, it was micro-influencers. Um, what does that, that mean? Probably, so mums, so mums who've created blogs and you know Instagram handles and those sorts of things. So yeah. mums who we'd send the product to, they'd try it. They've got a few followers, so not a large, not your big celebrity Type, um, right, so not money. celebs, 
not celebs, no, these were just your everyday mums who just started communicating and they found an audience because they've got their own little niche about what they talk about. You know, uh, Adele, the real mama, she's one that we still works with us today. And we don't actually work with any influencers who, uh, you know, want to work with other brands. So they've got to believe in our product. So they say, well, we're just going to pitch every other brand out right. there. We're like, well, we, don't, we won't work with you because if you don't truly believe in this product, we don't want you pitching it and talking about it. It's not worth it. It's got to be an authentic experience. So I think that's why it works for us because like me, I told my story. I started doing video blogs and talking to media about my own personal struggles with incontinence and periods and and just being a mum. And I so I think that's why it's worked. Authentic approach. And the other thing that I'd say has worked for us is using a diverse range of women. I chose not to Photoshop those women as well, so they're all unedited. And that, you know, while at the beginning it, when we so had just normal, women, everyday, average women normal, with very average, yeah. everyday bodies. Absolutely. And, in fact, there are customers now. Now we have customers coming to us saying, I want to be in your campaign. Please let me be in your campaign. And, and it's wonderful because I think that's normal and that's what women should see. <laughs> they're beautiful, you know, and they're wonderful and they've got – they leak. <laughs> that's normal too. So, yeah, I thought that was really important. Despite I was told by marketers I shouldn't do that because it's you – know, Oh, messy. I know. I, want to, I yeah. want to talk about that a bit more later. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when did you decide you had – you yeah. were on maternity leave, as I'm understanding what you said when you first sort of came up with the idea and started working working on it. But when did you decide that this will be my career? I'm not going back to a paid job. And how difficult was that? Because it's still a huge leap to leave the cocoon of, oh, I could get a really good job, no doubt well paid, to then jump into thinking, I can make this business work. Yeah. I... That's that's, that's very, very true. For me, I always knew I can go back to that fine. You know, I can go back to it. That was just always my mindset. Okay, I'll step out of this for a few years, but I can still go back to PR marketing. So I've got, you know, these, I've got 15 years under my belt. So I felt that I could go back. It might be a drop down. Mm. Um, I may not be at that same level, but I was okay with that. And I think I'd settled in that in the back of my head. But by you know that second year, I knew I was not going back. Mm. <laughs> I was like, the I'm not going back now. This is it. This is, and that's why I went and got the investment because I thought this is. I've got to get serious. I either give this all up and you know walk away and say that's it. You know, nice try, or I, I go for gold because this business can't be a small business. You know, in the nature of it, we are catering to you know millions of women globally. So you know, I, I couldn't run it as a small business. And so yeah, that was sort of my decision. I'm either going for gold or <laughs> going back. Did you always have in the back of your mind, I'd like to go into business for myself? I did, Helen. Yeah, I'd, I'd felt like that. Not not when I was young. I don't, I don't think I did. But somewhere along my PR and marketing journey, I felt, yes, I, I want to start my own business. I was actually thinking about, you know, a, a PR company maybe at that stage. But mm-hmm. I felt there was something more that was drawing me towards a product-based business. I'd had a lot of ideas. And this one was the one. Let's go back even a bit further. What was your life like growing up? Did you come from an entrepreneurial family? Were your folks in business or retailing, manufacturing? No, my mum's a secretary and my dad was a plumber. 
So I grew up in Albury, Wodonga, in the country. So no, 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 no exposure to business or manufacturing or anything like that. Wow. Um, so you've just come up with this yourself. There's a little burning <laughs> entrepreneur inside you. I think so. And look, you know, my mum was a big believer in giving us kids every single opportunity. She was a, you know, she was a teenage mother. And so she was all about, you know, getting out of the country, you're going to university, you're going to do more with your life. And my brother started his own, my oldest, two older brothers have their own business as well. One's a teacher. So uh, yeah, three out of four are are in their own businesses, which is interesting. I think it was more that mindset of, you know, do something with life, make something of it, go somewhere because she was a teenage mum. Yeah. Did you end up going to uni? I did. Yeah. I went to Sydney University. I did a a triple major um, Bachelor of Arts there. So yeah, that was my studies and then then moved on. So where do you think that perhaps (laughs) risk-taking, that backing yourself confidence came from? Yeah, I don't think I'm a huge risk taker. And I and I partly believe that's why this business is successful because I don't throw money around and every decision I make is considered. So when I came up with this idea, because I had quite a number of other ideas, this, I, I knew this one was right. And when I got that feedback from family friends, I'm like, it's more right. So in that sense, I think people who aren't as big a risk takers probably may have more success in business. So the companies that you did do PR for, were, were you in PR at McDonald's or were you yes. had a teen job there behind the counter? No, I did. That was my first job when I was um, 14 years old. But no, I was um, I was in the head office there in the yeah. communications team. You get great exposure in that role to how a business runs because you work, you know, very closely with the CEO and you work, you know, in the marketing team, across operations, um, all elements, HR, all elements of business. I think that in particular, that type of role. So you often see that comms people from comms and PR backgrounds do go into their own businesses. And then if you work for an agency, again, very business-minded, it teaches you budgeting, teaches you great time management. And I think one thing for me when I did work at agency, I was always very conscious of, you know, billing appropriately and my time and budgeting. And I loved it. I actually really enjoyed that side, which is probably also leads me well to business because I like budgeting. (laughs) You mentioned your husband has been a huge support in this whole process. Mm. Does he work with you now and and how would you describe how he's supported you? He's supported me emotionally as he always has. So he doesn't work in the business at all. He works in the science and medical field. So yeah, but emotionally he's been a great support been a reminder when I need to, you know, pull back, but, you know, look after myself, those sorts of things. And, you know, when I have, when things have got tough, because I think women do take a lot of that, you know, that, that mental load at home as well. But he's seen that and he's suggested ways as the business is growing for us to get support. So, you know, like well, now we have a, a nanny at home with my four children. So those sorts of things, he's been quite supportive of me. And I, and I think that's great. And, you know, he does the washing, all those sorts of things. Yeah, just great. Wonderful. Join me next week for part two of my interview with Christy Chong on how she tackled head-on supposedly icky subjects of incontinence and periods and turned them into a marketing positive for her growing brand. I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. 
Let me know via Twitter at Helen underscore Daly. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know. Share it around your networks and I'd love you to give it a star rating to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turned their light bulb idea into an empire.